Welcome to the Poke Experience. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And we are here to talk to you about the best things in Polk County. Today, we are at Bach Tower Gardens in Lake Wales. Lake Wales, Florida. <laughs> can you work with that? Yeah, we can work with that. Okay. So we retaped the beginning of this because we're coming off a few weeks layoff. And, uh, and honestly, the first take was just brutal. So uh, you'll hear some background noise. We did this, uh, this podcast. We did live at the kitchen area at Bach Tower Gardens. It's absolutely gorgeous. But you'll hear some folks walking by. You'll hear some wind noises. Uh, so we apologize ahead of time for the background noise. But I think overall, Kevin, I think we had a pretty good time. I think it was a fantastic time. What a beautiful place. And uh, part of the reason that we don't do this live is for mistakes like we did uh, opening up our first one after a few weeks off. Get a little tongue-tied and things get a little befuddled and mistakes are made. So stick around, everyone, as we talk to Erica Smith and Geert DeHollander from Bach Tower Gardens. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit about the history of Bach Tower Garden with Erica Smith and uh, find out a little bit of how gardens started. Well, you know, what has really made Bach Tower Gardens, um, you know, this destination is the fact that it was really created to be a sanctuary. So, you know, in 2020, we're all looking for sanctuary, but it was Edward Bach that was really this visionary that said humans are becoming um, disconnected from each other. And he was the um, editor of Ladies Home Journal, which at the time had the largest subscription base of any, you know, media outlet in the world. And, um, you know, he came on board and really was seeing um, America shift. And the word that he used in his autobiography is America was becoming too electrified. Now, this is at the turn of the century. Imagine what Edward Bach would think in, in 2020 about, right. you know, our electrification. <laughs> but he wanted to create a place that would be um, a, a serenity and a serene sanctuary where man and nature could come connect and come together. So he wanted to create a sanctuary for the birds, for wildlife and a place that really fostered native plants. And, and how this wonderful, um, you know, great, vast, um, beautiful place that we have here in Central Florida, he really wanted to connect that to a beautiful garden setting. So um, the story that he would, and he actually told this in his um, Pulitzer Prize winning autobiography, is during the winter, he would come here and he would stay in the Mountain Lake Sanctuary. And um, he would winter just like, you know, our snowbirds do now. And he would climb up to the top of Iron Mountain. So where we're sitting today um, is 200 feet above sea level. And he would climb up Iron Mountain and he would watch the sun go down. And he knew that he had to protect this place because at that time, you know, Florida was kind of in its boom days. And there was a lot of, you know, new um, construction moving in. And, and you know, there was a lot of things happening in Florida at that time. And he really wanted to preserve this place for generations. And so he um, purchased the land and started creating the gardens first. And so that was kind of the legacy. He worked with um, the Olmstead firm, which is one of the, um, you know, America's finest law landscape architecture firms. And, you know, they created the Central Park. They created the mall in Washington, D.C. Um, in Asheville, they're actually responsible for the landscape design for the Biltmore. So um, he went to the finest landscape architecture firm in the, in the nation. And um, they created a design that really blended with the natural Florida um, ecology that we have here. And so they started on the gardens first and then kind of the the gem or the jewel of the garden 
garden was to be the singing tower. And so um, as the gardens were built, they then started on the singing tower. And the singing tower was really an homage to his childhood in the Netherlands. Um, Edward Bach was um, an immigrant that came over as a child from the Netherlands. And um, he had the, the true American experience. He had to pull himself up by the bootstraps. The family came over. They were in, you know, kind of hard economic times and looking to, you know, regain, you know, their their fortune or whatever you want to call that in the United States. And so they came over and they lived in Brooklyn and he had that true American experience. He pulled himself up and worked his way through the journalistic ranks and became, you know, kind of the penultimate position at that time was to be the editor of the Ladies Home Journal. And, you know, he has a, a really great American story that hopefully one day, you know, we're going to see Edward Bach's story in textbooks because it really does kind of show you what you can do when you work hard. And, you know, in his books, he talks about, you know, the the fact that all Americans should have these three phases of their life. They should start by learning as much as they can. You know, education is very important. Work hard. And then in that last phase of your life, you need to give back. And so Bach Tower Gardens is really kind of the, the living legacy of Edward Bach's life, that he worked hard to build that fortune so then he could give it back. And so this is the gift to the American people. So he then, um, you know, added this really beautiful um, centerpiece, which is the Singing Tower. And it is a musical instrument. And so in that, we have had 91 years of really being the cultural icon for Central Florida for live music blended together with this beautiful garden that we have. So this is really a place for your senses. So, you know, the Singing Tower is definitely our legacy. And, you know, I love the fact that we're able to have live concerts with Geert. And this is really, you know, his kind of area. So we'll kind of let him kind of pick up the story with the Singing Tower. What do you think? Yeah, no, sure. yeah, totally. That'd be great. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the singing tower. I, I read in my uh, when I was doing my prep work that they started building it in 1927. They finished it in 1929, which I think is fascinating in itself that they two years of construction for something so beautiful. I'm sure it wasn't completely done. But let's talk a little bit about the Carillon. Yeah. So um, the Carillon, when it was building, when it was finished in 1929 at that time, was the heaviest instrument in the world. So Bach wanted to really show off something incredibly beautiful heavy um and so we have 60 bells total weight is 60 tons wow. and everybody every caroliner in the world knows this instrument because it's so exceptional um not just because of the weight not just because of the tower but all the stars are aligned i mean it's the most beautiful concert hall you'll ever see you know people walk feel nature see nature and then hear this beautiful music coming from the tower and I didn't know about it until I was 17. So I was born and raised in Belgium. My dad is also uh, a caroliner, you know, bell player. And I graduated from the Royal Carolin School. And at that point, my dad said, I'm going to show you the most beautiful instrument in the world. And he flew me straight from Brussels, straight to um, Bach Tower Gardens. Wow. And I played it, I was overwhelmed with the beauty of the tower. I mean, I've, I've played 400 out of 600 instruments worldwide. I've never seen a tower more beautiful than this one. And then the instrument, oh my God, it's, it's so sonorous. So, you know, it's, it's majestic, you know. Um, so when I played it when I was 17 for the first time, I had no idea that, you know, 30 years later or so, it would be my tower and my Caroline. And when they called me, you know, the position was open and they asked me if I was interested. I had no problems of leaving Europe 
to be here. It's mm -hmm. it's just a unique position. It's the most beautiful position in the world, honestly. Now, if I if I read right, the smallest bell is sixteen pounds. Yes. The largest bell is twelve tons. Twelve tons. Yes. So that's a that's a big part. And the bass bells are obviously with your feet and the yeah. hand bells with yeah your, yeah. With so your hands. that's that's one of the tricky parts about playing the carillon. It's like you know, unlike a piano, um, if you move to the left where the, the deeper pitches are, the deeper tones are, it's getting heavier to play because you know the bigger the bell, the bigger the clapper on the inside, and right. the harder it is to play. So it, it can be challenging, it can be physical, um, but this instrument is almost like an orchestra. You can play almost anything on it. You know, making I'm making transcriptions from Bach and Mozart all the way to Lady Gaga. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, how far does the does the sound carry? If when you're playing it, and striking, it, well, it, it's the sound carries about let's the park. But not not further, you know. You cannot hear the Carolina at the entrance gate, for example, okay. um, because the bells are stationary; they don't move. It's just a little clapper on the inside that is moving, and it's in position. I'm moving it about an inch, so that's why it doesn't sound all that far. If if there were swinging bells, though, you would hear them miles away. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's just meant to be, you know, for the park, for the visitors, uh, whoever comes in. Yeah. So, so I take it from from seeing the levers and whatnot. This is like the 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 Carolina workout, correct? This has got to be a very physical instrument to play. It is physical, uh, but it also depends on what kind of music you're playing. You know, my youngest daughter is 15, and she plays the Carolina too. And we often play duets whenever she is here. She lives in Belgium, and but it's it's so you know. Girls 15, they can play the carillon. You know, it just depends on what kind of music you're picking. All right. I did not expect that. Oh. I, I, I expected it to be this this big physical workout sort of, but it, it can be played far more subtly. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, so yeah. would you would you equate it to a keyboard, a piano? Is it is it similar in it's so unique? It is a keyboard, but it's 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 nothing like anything else. Um, I think you have an advantage. I was brought up, um, went to the conservatory and was a pianist uh, at the same time I was studying Carillon. I think it's more like a piano because it's touch sensitive. So you can like play very, very subtle and you can play really loud. That's something you can do on a piano too, you know, unlike an organ. Yeah. Um, so, but then it has pedals like an organ. So okay. it's like really in between there. Um, but no, it's... It, Carolines are fascinating. You know, one of the reasons I think they're fascinating is there's 600 instruments worldwide. Not two are the same. They're all different. So you have to adapt really, really quickly. I've seen there's even a mobile one. Yeah, that I, that yeah I, correct. I'd seen yeah. that was... Yeah. Uh, so mobile instruments are nice because you can play with orchestras together. Okay. You, know, you keep them down and you just get the orchestra there, have a stage and, and, and do stuff together. Now, where is the Royal Carillon School? Where, where would that be located? That's in Belgium. That's in Belgium. Yes, in Mechelen, and this in Belgium. Is where are there any places in the United States that you can go and learn? Oh, there. The yes. Oh, like yeah. There are a lot of universities where you can study Carillon. Okay. Uh, so the closest by is Gainesville. Gainesville has there the is University a of in yeah, Gainesville. yeah, yeah. The university has a Carillon. Okay. And they have a lot of Carillon students, and so several times a year, the Carillon students come down to Bach Tower, and I give them lessons on this Carillon, and. Other times I go there and teach them uh, on their instruments. In fact, you just had an intern here from uh, from Tampa. Yes, but from, but he was a 
Gainesville yeah. uh, student. Yes, correct. And he was he was my youngest uh, fellow. He's only 21. And he also stayed for the longest time. He stayed for seven months. Oh, wow. And yeah, we had a lot of fun together. Yeah, it's but this is such a unique instrument for people because, you know, if a lot of a lot of instruments are in the middle of a city or the middle of a university. So your playing time is limited. Because, you know, if you play it constantly, people are going like nuts. I go, oh, I'm going to stop the music. It's, you know, you have no, you hear it. You have no choice. Uh, but here, the park closes at five or six. People are going home and we can play until midnight and without disturbing people. So and then, it's, it's, and then, it's incredible for yeah. scholars. I was going to say, it's amazing that the, that as big as it is, the neighbors, you don't ever get a, you know, Somebody tell Gear to go to bed. It's hyping it down. The cops are knocking on the front door. Hey, pipe it down. So we do have a community close by, Mountain Lake. But if we play late, they like it. They go on their porch with a glass of wine and just listen to the night musicians. Well, you know, and it's fascinating. And I'm a Floridian. I'm fourth generation Floridian. I'm from North Florida up in the area of Amelia Island. And so I feel like I found something new. Um, I, I, in doing my research and reading about Carolines and, and I think there's several here in the state of Florida besides the two that you mentioned, Gainesville and here. There are only four. There are only four. There's yeah. four total in the state of Florida. Yeah. There are only is, 200 in the U.S. There's only four more than I knew about. So it's <laughs> like, that's it. I, 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 in researching and, and reading about Carolines, I, I became more fascinated understanding that these things, uh, have been around for centuries. I'm assuming. Oh like yeah, 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 yeah. The, so the first, the first discovery of a of a Carillon keyboard was 1510, so you know 500 years ago in Belgium. And um, to be honest, what drew me to this profession was when I grew up. My my dad gave concerts everywhere uh, in Europe, and as a young boy, you know, you're seven, eight years old, and you get the chance to climb medieval towers. And you see secret doors, you know, and, and bats and owls and all that stuff and giant clockworks. And I'm like, holy moly, I want to do this too. That's yeah. how I got into it. So, yeah, it's been around for 500 years, practically. Yeah. 500 years and there's only 600 in the world. But that's fascinating. 600 in the world and half of them are in the low countries overseas. So Belgium and Holland. Those okay. two countries are half the size of Massachusetts. Right. So back there, you can take your bicycle and every 15 minutes you hit a caravan. So not only does Belgium produce probably some of the best beer. I've been to the World Beer Museum over in Belgium. That's that's pretty fascinating in the <laughs> tower. But now they I know that they produce Carolines over there too and have, yeah. has another contribution. So in, in talking about how this all incorporated into the gardens themselves, Erica, when um, Edward Bach decided to put this all together, what how did he come about saying, I'm going to put a Carillon here? I mean, he could put anything here, right? Right. Well, from, you know, I think he was remembering his childhood in the Netherlands and and seeing the bell towers there. And he wanted to, you know, kind of connect his culture to, um, you know, here in the United States. And so that was a way of really kind of, um, I think, you know, giving his family legacy uh, that continuation. And so um, one of the kind of key phrases that we have here at Bach Tower Gardens actually came from Edward Bach's grandmother. 
and uh, the idea that you as a person need to make the world a bit better or more beautiful because you've lived in it. And that's actually inscribed on um, the tower in the um, founder's room, as well as on the the Bordon Bell, which is the largest bell. This idea that, you know, we need to leave the world a better place because we lived in it. And um, if you read his autobiography, he talks about a lot that his grandparents um, wanted to make, you know, they had an island and you can probably you probably know the story a little bit better, but um, they would plant trees and and they made this island into a very beautiful place. And so Edward Bach kind of continued that legacy, you know, remembering that as a child and coming um, here to the um, United States. But um, here in the in the low country, towers are actually a, a pivotal point of community. So I don't know if you want to kind of talk about why why the low country has so many carillons. It really kind of also connects our story, I think, as well. Well, um, the, it, it all started with just bells in a tower as that had a signal function. Um, so people had no idea what time it was. And bell towers had one bell that would announce the strike of the hour. So somebody thought of like, well, you know, I don't want people to miscount. So let's let's place a couple of bells just before the strike of the hour. So people get a warning, like, you know, be ready. Kind of the strike of the hour is, is coming. And so it started with three bells. And then the big bell was the strike. Now that, so every tower had four bells. And in French, that is quatre sons, which means four sounds. And quatre sons eventually went to carillon. Quatre sons carillon. So carillon. That's where the word comes from. But then in time, they would add bells and add bells and make melodies just to announce the strike of the hour until somebody thought of the idea like, well, we have all the bells in the tower. Can we like make music out of it? And boom, Carolyn was born. So they placed the keyboards, a very simple keyboard, connected to the bells, and they started playing music. And then after a while, one city picks up like, hey, what do they have there? We want to have one too. You know? And it was like competing more and more and more and more and heavier and bigger. And, and the result, well, you know, 300 carillons in, in, in countries that are really, really small. I mean, as big as Bow County. Right. So, you know, that community, I think he remembered yeah. and remembered that and wanted to bring that here to the United States. So it, it really does kind of make us that we are kind of building our own community here. And, you know, the fact that the bells really did kind of direct lives, right? You know, Life you, and need, time, yeah. you needed to know when it was noon or when. It, and so that really I think connects to why he wanted to put something so pivotal in his beautiful garden. And so that we would have this connection. And, you know, I, I find myself when I come in, you know, we come in at nine o'clock, I'm parking. I hear the bells that starts my day when the day is ending, we know the music that plays. So we were really connected to this beautiful music. And so even we have live concerts at one o'clock and three o'clock in the summertime, we have recorded concerts, uh, give geared a little bit of time off to kind of reconnect. But um, you really do start kind of, you know, may, your day comes around when this music plays. So the tower chimes on the hour and the half hour. And then it also plays that that kind of melody to give us a little heads up that it's about to, you know, be one o'clock or two o'clock. And you do find yourself going, oh, OK, that's um, I know at five o'clock at, we were playing Sunrise Sunset from, um, you know, Broadway. Yeah. And so you really yeah. do start building your day around this beautiful music. And it's nice in, in, in Europe, you know, travelers would write journals and say like, well, in the low countries, time is really singing. Yeah. You know, it's giving a really nice feeling to people. And it's, sure. uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I think here in Florida, especially Central Florida, and you, we think about people who winter here, they've been wintering in Florida for a very, very long time because it's so nice in, in our communities. Um, but when you think back 90 years ago, almost 100 years ago, that uh, someone had the idea and forethought and vision to put something like this in an area like Lake Wales in Central Florida and then add something from the old country of Europe that would bring beauty, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. basically his vision. Yeah. And as Jack and I were driving here, and I was like, can you imagine driving down here 100 years ago? Actually, you wouldn't drive in here. I'm not even sure how he got in here, uh, how we found this part of Central Florida. But apparently there were a lot of people who were wintering here at the time. And then to have the vision and forethought to say, this is the legacy that we're going to leave in this area. And it's going to be something from over in Europe, from the older country. Well, Everbach's wife um, was a musician as well. And so it really, they have a, a really wonderful story. And so they lived in Philadelphia. That's where um, the magazine was published. And I think having that, um, you know, musical rich community really did kind of influence what they did when they would come and winter here. So um, the two things come together. And um, Everbach's wife, uh, Mary Louise Curtis Bach, um, she actually went on to found the Curtis Music Institute, which is still to this day operating. Um, and if you become a student of the Curtis Music Institute, it's actually uh, tuition free. And that is due to her legacy and leaving that gift behind. So one of the finest, um, you know, musical institutions is still in operation because of Mary Louise Curtis Bach in Philadelphia. Fantastic. I didn't have any idea about I that didn't. in Philadelphia. Nope. No. One yeah. more thing in Philadelphia. <laughs> My wife works with the Phillies. So one more thing in Philadelphia. Um, so this is this has been uh, quite an adventure for you coming here at 17 and then being a part of this gear and, and now uh, leading the orchestra, I would call it, here at, uh, at Bach Tower. <laughs> yeah. What I heard you say something about concerts. You do concerts around um, Europe, I assume. You go and do concerts around the world. Or? Yes. Um, so um, the concert season here with live concerts nonstop is mid-October, uh, rootstock when we officially open. Um, and my season ends at Mother's Day, so mid-May. It's seven months. And we have daily performances uh, of live music. Um, with I'm performing four days a week, and I usually have Carolyn Fellows that I train and work with, and they perform the other three days. So we have the longest running series of live music in the world. Uh, And then Mother's Day, after Mother's Day, Florida goes into low season. It's getting summer, it's getting too hot, but it's high season in Europe. And I'm allowed to travel abroad and give, you know, Carolyn concerts all over the world, which is nice. Um, I just needed, you know, like a mental break. And at the same time, I do a lot of composing new music, arranging new music uh, and getting ready for the next season to start. Yeah. Yeah. I I read that you uh, have done a number of original pieces now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, um, I composed more than 50 original Carillon compositions. Um, And it's that's that's for me. That's kind of I'm thinking about that. Besides playing, that's my legacy. Um, you know, you want to leave something behind. Well, it's, it's compositions for, you know, the next generations to enjoy, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very creative process. I really like composing for Caroline. Um, also arranging. I mean, you know, it's 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 fascinating when you think about Lady Gaga and you're like, oh, maybe I can play this on Caroline. 
let's give it a shot. And, well, I, you know. I got to ask now. You, you mentioned Lady Gaga twice. What what song and what Lady Gaga? Song oh, I, I I don't have a particular song in mind. I made a medley uh, of you know pieces like sometimes in between songs and and I made a I made a medley for a Carolyn duet. So two people playing at the same time. Oh, fantastic! Um, and it was it was well received, really. Uh, I'm thinking we it. need to send a recording to Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, during you know the pandemic, Geert was so kind and did live concerts, and we were able to simulcast them and and stream them to Facebook. And um, he did everything from um, Baby Shark. To <laughs> that's one I'll never leave your head for. A to while, right? Broadway favorites, to the um, you know the music of Outlander. We what I mean, we went crazy. We did ABBA. Yeah, we did classic rock. Um, we made him do disco, and you know, Gear is always such a good. Um, sport. When I said, "Hey, Geert, let's do best of disco," and I thought you know he was gonna you know he rolled his eyes, but he came and did the most beautiful rendition of um, Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive you've ever heard in your life. So the rule of thumb for Garrett is if he can hum it, he can play it. Yeah. But um, it's kind of sad that, you know, we get so excited to hear Lady Gaga when he's actually playing, you know, some of the finest classical music in the world. And, you know, it, I, I, he's such a good sport. He never says no, but, um, you know, he is probably, and he's way too modest, but he is probably the finest Carolina in, in the world. So, I'm going to throw a one, one out, one tune, excuse me, Jack. I'm going to throw one out. Anagata DeVita. Just going to put it out there. From Rush? I don't know the tune, but if I, I have to hear it and I'm, you know, give me a challenge. That's oh, that's Iron need. Butterfly, right? Iron, Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly. <laughs> just, I'm just going to throw it out there. So I was going to ask about the, the, the composing yeah. part for this. Yeah. So I assume that must be done after hours. Do yes. you have, tell me, tell me the process because it's not like, I mean, normally uh, uh, a pianist or a guitarist, you know, guitar player can, can compose in the silence of a room. They don't, uh, you can't, uh, you don't have a mini carillon at home. No. You can practice on and, yeah. and work the so beats out. So I, I have um, my studio in the tower where I work every day. And uh, I have a beautiful piano, Steinway, in my office. And that's where I do most of the composing. Okay. Um, so the composing, it, it, it all depends on, you know, what, what kind of commission. It's usually commissions. So I have a lot of commissions from Yale University, from other universities. And I try to find tunes that they're familiar with. And then I go from there and, and just, you know, um, yeah, last... A couple of years ago, I had a commission for an international contest. So you want to make it, you know, really hard for students to play for the, con- you know, mm-hmm. contestants. So, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's every time it's something new, and yeah, I like that. I really like the challenge of. of I was gonna say it's creating a, a different, you know. completely different kind yes. of. I yeah. mean, it's it's one thing to to, to perform to perform another thing another to create. Another, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. And Erica, I was going to ask you about the the gardens here. So there's so much more than what Mr. Bach had started with. We're in the middle of the kitchen. You've got the the children's area, which was a which was a welcome addition. So tell us about how this has continued to evolve. Sure. So um, in 1929, the gardens were about 13 acres, roughly, and um, they were you know 
really beautifully designed, but we had all this other land around. So over the years, the gardens has really taken on um, a mission of conservation. And so now we have about 250 acres um, that we are stewards of and really protecting this natural preserve. And, you know, we... We want to be off the beaten path. Uh, so we have purposely looked at opportunities to purchase land that surround the gardens so that we can have, you know, conservation and hiking trails as well as beautifully manicured gardens. So over the years, we've acquired land and in um, actually 2016, we opened the expansion and that was the largest expansion that we had had in the history. And so we opened up eight additional acres that um really kind of connect to those um, historic Olmstead gardens. So we are sitting right now in this beautiful outdoor kitchen, which is really um, reminiscent of kind of a Mediterranean uh, landscape. And so we have um, a beautiful edible garden, which um, we're in our, our summer garden right now, which is not as lush and full as, um, you know, your winter garden, because uh, it's just so hot. So we have some peppers growing over there and eggplant. And um, it overlooks a beautiful arbor. And then it connects to our children's garden. And the children's Garden is Hammock Hollow. It's two and a half acres, and it's really designed to introduce children to nature, and it fosters all of their senses. So unlike um, a playground that has very directed play, you know, swing on these swing sets, do this, do that, we've really opened that up and allowed children to have their own experience where we encourage them to dig in the dirt, we encourage them um, to use musical instruments that we have in the hammock, um, we have art projects, they um, can clean climb on these giant um, gopher tortoise burrows that we've recreated. Uh, we just installed actually last week um, a gigantic birdhouse, or I'm sorry, not birdhouse, but bird's nest. And it's about eight feet across by about six feet deep. And we, um, the uh, horticulture director, as well as our garden educator, wove hand wove this nest stick by stick, just like a bird would do. Um, they get to use their hands. Birds, unfortunately, have to use their beaks. But we have this beautiful bird's nest now in there. So kids can walk in and feel like, you know, I'm in a bird's nest. Um, we have a fairy garden in there as well as rocks to climb on. And there's a beautiful cooling water feature so the kids can get wet and cool off in the summertime. So it really is a place for them to um, engage all of their senses, um, learn more about what plants um, mean to humans. So we have our agricultural uh, gardens so that kids can learn that, you know, um, vegetables don't come in packages. They actually grow in the dirt. And it's so, <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting um, when you can see a kid uh, really make that connection. Oh, a carrot is not this, you know, tiny little thing that comes prepackaged and pre-washed. It actually grows in the ground. So the children's garden connects to the wild garden. And this summer, we actually have a new exhibit called Trapped in our wild garden. And the wild garden is um, four different ecosystems. And um, it has a boardwalk as well as a bog. And so we have um, beautiful sculptures of carnivorous plants in the wild garden, along with plantings of these carnivorous plants. So there's always something to see and do. And the garden's really... Um, are a, a really nice center point to what the Carillon has to offer. So we try to make it just as exciting as what we're doing in our musical aspect. I, I don't think most people realize that besides being one of the tallest places in, in peninsular Florida, that it's also a unique ecological ridge. So there are plants and animals here that you will find nowhere else in the world. Uh, well, this is a giant sandbar, basically, is what it was in you know, prehistoric 
you know, eons and eons of time, we're actually standing on a giant sandbar. And so the plants that grow here really um, have that connection to, um, you know, that evolution over time. And so you do have um, species, both wildlife and plants that exist nowhere else in the world. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's so interesting, uh, especially now as we're sitting outside in this beautiful setting and I'm watching families go by. It, it looks like you get quite a bit of families. And I think people have to remember this is a this would be a great family setting, right, for people coming in. Wedding photos that I think they're, they're <laughs> well, so we you, have you must get a lot of that as well, because it is it's gorgeous. So I. The gardens mean something different to everyone. And yep. that is really the magic of this place. So we have lots of photographers that come in and we encourage that. Um, if you want to do portrait sessions, um, that's certainly encouraged. So you just have admission basically, and you can come and do your portrait photography. We have, um, you know, not really magazine shoots. They're probably either taking pictures for like a, a pr maybe prom that they missed. I don't know, but um, we do have some, um, you know, wedding photography. We also do a lot of weddings here. Um, over the years, our pre wedding program's grown and we'll do close to 55 wedding events a year. That's fantastic. I'm going to go back to one story that I read, Garrett, about uh, you were in the tower and you felt it moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was years ago. Um, uh, yeah, I remember I was, I was working and all of a sudden I got a dizzy feeling and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have a big party the night before, so it wasn't that. It wasn't so, you. <laughs> it wasn't you. So I, I went to my librarian, um, one level below me and you know, I'm like, I ha she's like, oh yeah, I had the same thing. I didn't, and we didn't, we couldn't figure it out what it was. So the next day we read online that there was an earthquake in Cuba. And that made the, the tower shake a little bit. And the last time I experienced that was when I was working in Berkeley, California. But I thought like, well, I'm going to Florida, no more quakes, you know, <laughs> guess what? Yeah, Surprise. It happened, it happened here. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and yeah. it just goes, it lends itself back, Erica, to what you were saying that this is a big sandbar. And I'm assuming that this is pretty much built, even though it's a sandbar, there's a lot of limestone below here somewhere. Uh, yeah. considering where we're at. So it's, it's, it's very safe, but um, it's amazing that you would feel something like that, a centerpiece of, of central Florida from Cuba. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It How has the pandemic this year impacted Bach? Um, not just negatively, we understand about people staying home, but also what else is involved and how has it impacted the gardens? So, um, you know, um, I think every American is going to be impacted by this pandemic. And it was the longest closure in 91 years. And you have to think about what America has gone through. I mean, we've gone through war, war, war wars, hurricanes, um, you know, numerous political upright, you know, a lot of things. And for this to be the first time that we closed our doors for 10 weeks is, is pretty significant. And um, I know I worked closely with Geert through those 10 weeks and it was almost a journey, I think, that we took. And we yep. and, you know, Geert had the most beautiful um, quote. And somebody said, you know, Geert, why are you playing music? There's no one around. And he said, you know, if we can't get the music to the, you know, if we can't have people here, we're going to get the music to the people. And so 
that's what we did. We wanted to make sure that we were connecting with people at least, you know, three times a week. And so Garrett played concerts and we started connecting with um, fans from around the world. And actually one of his biggest fans right now is in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and she actually comments on every single concert that we have. It's, it's become part of her, um, you know, weekly treat is to tune in and watch Garrett play the bells. Her name's Patricia and she comments every single time and she she has shared this music with her friends. And so they'll come on and they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm here with Patricia. And, and, you know, they let us know. We have um, fans that are joining us from Brazil, Australia, New Zealand um, during the closure. And so while it was financially, um, you know, devastating to the gardens and we are working our way back, um, the closure actually connected us in ways that we had never seen before. And, you know, we were reaching a global audience for the very first time. Sure. And, you know, I, I really have to give, you know, the, co- the credit to Garrett that he came in and he played original music. How many extra concerts did you do with all new arrangements? He would spend hours and hours and hours arranging this music. Uh, uh, we did just, just name that tune. Uh, that that's you know program we did uh, i think five hours of just named that tune you know so i don't know how many half hours i mean it's just wow. and this was done through uh just uh, an internet broadcast so we you, you know when we first started yeah. we were just doing facebook and then we learned that we could get a streaming service that would you know make the signal a little bit stronger and you know when we first started we had zero idea we had basically a, a mobile phone and yeah. <laughs> by the end of it we had our act together and we were able to um you know connect actually the bells to um the sound system and so the music quality improved everything improved and we got we're actually pretty good at it now yeah. Yeah. but um at the time you know we also had to deal with social distancing so when we first started we were in the tower and then we said, oh, wait, we can't do that anymore. We can't be, you know, 12 feet apart or six feet apart. So then we had to figure out, well, how do we interact with Geert since, you know, he's 200 feet in the air? How do we also interact? And so it was a really interesting dynamic, you know, knowing that this place is not necessarily the most technologically. I mean, that's not our mission is technology. Our, right. our mission is kind of the opposite. Right. And so we had to really go find technical tools and, you know, the communications team, my team, um, you know, we were Googling, you know, how do we get sound equipment and how do we get, you know, microphones in the middle of a pandemic and how do you get all of this stuff? And it really brought us all together and in ways that I don't think we had ever imagined. No, no I was really surprised with the outcome. Of, yeah. you know, how we can do it. So that's actually something that we're working on is how do we continue that legacy and how sure. do we continue bringing this music beyond the borders of just Bach Tower Gardens? I think that's a fantastic idea. I, I, I like that a lot and how you can connect um, because now I'm like, well, I'd like to tune into that. That'd be terrific. I'd love to sit and listen to some of those uh, some of those tunes. Yeah, and we're actually able to make them interactive so Garrett can actually talk to people. Yeah. And, and we had never had that before. Um, the pandemic, um, you know, started right at Easter time and the longest running event that we have at Bach Tower Gardens is our Easter sunrise service. We've actually done it for 94 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, this was the first time we had ever canceled an Easter sunrise service. And I didn't want to be the marketing director that canceled (laughs) the 94th (laughs) annual Easter sunrise. And I said, okay, we're going to do it 
virtually. We're going to figure it out. And I sent, you know, the the white flag, please help me figure out how to make this happen. And one of my friends actually uh, had a piece of equipment that allowed us to connect the sound together. And that's how we made it happen. And so that um, sunrise service was actually viewed by um, over 70,000 people on Easter Sunday. Normally we would have two to 3000 people here, but because we were able to bring it to a virtual audience, we had over 70,000 views of that sunrise service and people, you know, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We didn't want this to be, you know, you can't take this away from us too, basically, you know? And so we were very successful. It's not a, we're not going to win an Oscar or Emmy or anything for our, um, you know, equipment or our, our videography or cinematography, but we got it out there and we made it happen. And Garrett was able to play the concert and the minister was able to deliver the service. So, you know, we have learned a lot in the pandemic. We have reopened in June and we are reopened to the public and we've changed, you know, when we first started, we were doing time tickets. We watched and learned and said, no, we don't need that extra precaution. And, you know, we've added in some precautions. Now we do allow our visitors to um, only need a mask when they're in interior service, um, interior spaces. But, you know, we learn every day and we adapt. And I think that's what the pandemic has taught you is you have to be resilient and you have to, um, you know, learn something new and, and adapt and, and continue on. So. Well, there's so much fresh air out here. I think that uh, anyone who wants to to come and experience old Florida and come see something beautiful, this would be a place to do it and get some fresh air, get out of the house, take a walk around the acreage, listen to the bells, listen to the concerts. This yeah. is a yeah. this is a great great find here in Central Florida. And if you haven't been out at Christmas time, maybe you can you can bring up the 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 mansion and Christmas. <laughs> Okay. Because that's kind of a special. It, it is. So here's here's going to be the um, challenging thing for 2020 because we just don't know what's going to happen. Okay. So Pinewood Estate is not open at this time and probably will not open until 2021. And that is going to be heartbreaking because that's going to break a 26th year tradition of the holiday home tour of us having one of the most spectacularly decorated estates in Florida. And, you know, with the pandemic, what we've learned is you have to really protect assets. And so we decided as a leadership team that our assets that we were going to protect is our endowment. And that's what keeps Bach Tower Gardens going in perpetuity. So we are protecting the endowment. We are protecting the tower. We are protecting Garrett's cultural legacy, the gardens and um, our team. And so Pinewood Estate is not necessarily, I mean, it's always going to be something that we are but we knew that we could close the estate and protect it that way. And so we are opting not to have holiday home tour this year. We're going to take a break, but we're going to create a holiday experience that keeps people safe and that really brings holiday cheer. So we are opting to kind of shift our resources to the outside exhibit instead of an interior exhibit, um, because we wouldn't be able to effectively social distance as well. As, I mean, it is a beautiful 22 room estate, but 
it can still only have eight to 10 people in each room at a time. And, and you know, and it's tight quarters. It is. I've been through there and you, you get to know everyone else on the tour very well <laughs> exactly. by the end of it. Yeah. So we are, um, we're protecting Pinewood estate by keeping it closed and we will come back with a complete reimagining of that estate in 2021. So we're using this time to really shore up our resources and to bring them back in a way that's better. Um, so I am going to be so sad that we're not going to have holiday home tours. So I'm going to be the marketing manager that stopped a 26 year tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I saved a 94 year old tradition, but I can't save the 26. You're, you're one for two. That's good. That's All right. Five so five and actually, it's probably it's 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 a pause. We're pushing pause. And we're going to come back in a better way, stronger with, um, you know, a complete different reimagining of it. And so what we learned is in this time of pandemic, what you lose is sometimes also what you gain. So, you know, we lost a lot, but we gained a lot of um, perspective and we learned a lot of knowledge. And so we're going to be able to use that to come back stronger when, um, you know, we have a way that we can bring that experience. You know, I, I just feel like people need um, they need healing right now. And if we put them into the environment at Pinewood State, we wouldn't be healing that soul. I think we'd be inflaming it because we wouldn't be able to do it in a way that is enriching and that is transformative. So we're opting to really look at what we can do around the garden. So we're going to be um, uh, bringing more holiday cheer to the actual garden experience. So um, that's kind of the look ahead. Uh, we're just, you know, rethinking what keeps people safe, what keeps our team safe and what is beautiful and, um, you know, definitely healing for the soul. And that's what we're going to do. And Geert, I assume your world has changed along with everyone else's with the pandemic as well. Well, yeah, again, you know, playing playing live stream concerts. I've never done it before in my life. Um, and it, it, it made me a little nervous because, you know, you, you uh, when it's live as a musician, you don't want to make mistakes. You know, yeah. if people yeah. just walk through the guards and you make a little mistake, oh, you know, that's happens. why this podcast is not live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For that but, very yeah, reason. So, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of new music, um, several several weeks, um, challenges. It was a lot of pressure, but um, we got through it really well. And and for a Caroliner, I assume the the immediate feedback of social media is is different for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You yeah, know, so I, we, I assume Patricia, we're going to use Patricia's name yeah. now two or three times. <laughs> so I, I assume Patricia just like pops up on your on your feed and says, hey, you match that one. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm, you know, for for the last 30 years or so, I was used to being just just me and my ivory tower and nobody else there. And I just do my thing. But all of a sudden you have people talking to you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Scotland? Really? Yeah. <laughs> looking around. <laughs> That's so it was uh, it was an experience, but I think um, I think it's 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 a good thing we did, and we're going to continue that tradition, not as frequently probably because it would kill me, but um, yeah, definitely we're we're not going to forget it. Yeah, and I can I can see sort of a live Christmas concert I see one coming experience. Yeah. yeah, in 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 the future maybe. Yeah, we talked about that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send that over to you. You're not going to let that go. Are I'm you? not going to let that one go. Right. I'm, gonna let that, I'm, gonna, I'm, throwing, I'm throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. And said, well, this has been fantastic. I've been here with Erica Smith from Bach Tower Gardens, marketing director. 
correct? Um, yes, actually, um, marketing director, and we've kind of changed our um, entire leadership team. So um, I'm also now the business development director. So I get to wear a couple more hats. That's that's good. It is good. Okay. Yes. Good. <laughs> Question mark. That's good, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Great. I mean, we're fresh into it, so I don't know how good it's going to be in <laughs> six to ten months, but it's great right now. And Gert de Hollander, who's the Carolina yeah. here at Bucktower Gardens. Um, this has been the Polk experience, and this has by far been one of the ones that uh, I'm most fascinated by. And uh, definitely completely out of our element. Completely, so. we're sports guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you couldn't tell, the I'm sure they can tell. Batting 500. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we've enjoyed our time here, and certainly the knowledge that you guys bring, and and all the pleasure and the beauty that you bring into Central Florida is fantastic. So. We look forward to seeing you. We look forward to the concerts live and uh, recorded, live streaming. And uh, hopefully, as things progress, people will begin to come back in, in multitudes and experience this beauty for themselves. Yeah, we hope so, too. Especially Patricia. Especially Patricia yeah. from Scotland. Right. <laughs> thanks for, for being here with us. And thanks again for doing what you do. Thank you for having us. Thank you.